uh, welcome to Movie Butts. I'm Arnie Joe, and this is Dane. Hello. We're a podcast where we pick a film-related topic. We do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of that topic. How we do that math is we, you know, we take the Rotten Tomatoes audience and critics score, the Metacritic score, IMDb, uh, fucking the box office, the budget. You know, we put it all in a spreadsheet. We average it all out, and there's a clear best and worst. Yeah, it's infallible. There is uh, never any opportunities for it to fuck up, except for when it does, which is quite often. Um, what was our topic this week, Dane, and uh, what films did we watch? Uh, we watched uh, the Brian De Palma from the 80s. Is that yep. it? Yeah, you yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we watched three, but the best, in the, the best was The Untouchables, and the worst was Wise Guys. And then you suggested we just watch Body Double. Yeah, <laughs> just because, just because those two movies are a bit boring. I mean, not as exciting as because Body Double's weird. Yeah, so like De Palma has a couple of modes. Um, he's I think he's very interesting for this. He makes his like really weird psychosexual erotic thrillers, you know. But then he also makes like his opera film. I call them opera films, like they're they're big operatic epics. Like they're like Scarface, The Untouchables, Carlito's Way. They're kind of like, do you know what I mean when I say like operas? Like they're big melodrama sort of things. Yeah, they're like epics. Yeah, they're epics. And, you know, funnily enough, his epics are the ones that make a lot of money, get all the critical response. However, uh, he has a really rabid fan base for his, you know, more niche stuff. So when I when I did the math and it turned out that the best was Untouchables and that that had to do with like an a law of averages with all of its scores it was like pretty consistent in in all of them but on top of that it was the it overperformed compared to all of his other films like it made a lot of money. So you see that his one of his most conventional movies and then the worst is also one of his most conventional movies. But in my opinion, for all the wrong reasons, mm. I kind of felt that we had to at least watch. I just wanted your opinion on Body Double because that's a, it's bonkers, you know? And I thought we were kind of selling ourselves short and selling people listening short on what Brian De Palma is about if we didn't talk about at least one of them. Yeah, I've, I've now seen four of his movies because I've also seen Phantom of Paradise. Yeah. Which is that- very similar to Body Double. In, I mean, one of his psychosexual weird films. Yeah, I I think I think uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Phantom of the Paradise is like a weird glam rock musical that he did in the seventies. That's kind of like I call it a sister film for Rocky Horror. However, I think it's a lot better. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Phantom of the Paradise is almost like both. Like it's very epic and it's very operatic and melodramatic. Um, like the story is like based on, you know, fucking Faust and like these like classic literature things, but it's also, you know, got his bonkers psycho fucking shit in there as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, Phantom of the Paradise is probably one of the rare occurrences where he does both. Oh yeah. As for worst, um, nobody really likes wise guys. Like it's, I was a bit depressed that it, it that it. Um, that it got worse simply because it's, I think it's a very beige film. 
Um, I, I hoped that there was at least one of his films that people fucking hated, like Body Double. People hate Body Double. And it would have come last. But at the end of the day, people tended to, um, and critics tended to ridicule mediocrity. Um, so do you mind giving us a plot description on these films, Dane? Yeah. So Wise Guys is about uh, these two shit-kicking mafia guys who are good mates and they're 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 bloody sick of being being bossed around by the boss because they got to do all the shit jobs like check for bombs in the car and stuff and then they they end up placing a bad bet and they 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 fuck the guy over accidentally and then they owe the the boss two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and then so the mafia guys tell them that they have to kill each other and and then it's a bunch of shenanigans anyway <laughs> so i hated wise guys it fucking sucks boring cliche 80s comedy movie yes yeah, so... like this this film uh, that film literally feels like it could have been directed by anyone mhm like it feel, like it, the, the, it depresses me because it's the least de palma movie i think in the world Mm-hmm. There's nothing about it that that even screams that he made it at all. No, yeah, it's got no style to it. None. Anyway, so Body Double is uh, it's 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 similar to Phantom of the Paradise in that he's com- in Phantom of the Paradise he combines like the the plots of different stories and makes he's like a new one. Uh, if you have never seen anything else like that before, think Stranger Things. Um, and he's done that again in this one, which is, uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies. It's like a, it's like a mix of, um, Vertigo and, um, Rewindow. The, the Man in the Wheelchair. Rewindow, yeah. I think it's actually called The Man in the Wheelchair. Parentheses rear window, but right. um, that's just a <laughs> little movie buff trivia. Anyway, so there's this actor in Hollywood, and uh, he uh, he's 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 like on the on the on the brink of making a living being an actor, and um, he his wife he finds his girlfriend or his wife cheating on him, so he has to leave, and uh, he stays with a friend who has a really nice apartment and he has a, um, a, a, a telescope and he's like, Ch- check it out, dude. Uh, this is look, uh, pointing my telescope at this, uh, my neighbor who is a, a sexy woman who gets naked and dances in front of the window <laughs> every night. And he's like, Oh, bloody hell. Look at that. And then, um, he gets infatuated with her and, um, <laughs> It's the, she ends up. It, then it's kind of like Rear Window. She ends up getting killed, but then it's kind of like Vertigo because he's he's claustrophobic. So it has like this Vertigo effect, but it's like he's claustro. Anyway, it's too complicated. But it's it's you know whatever. We'll talk about it. Um, and then uh, the Untouchables is about Kevin Spacey. No, what's his, Kevin Costner? <laughs> Kevin Costner is the the leader of the cop squad that's going to take down Al Capone because, uh, whatever, the alcohol thing. The prohibition, prohibition police. Yeah. 
and um, it's all about how they do that. Is that meant? That's based on a true story, right? I don't think so. Well, I Al think Capone. there's like a level of there's like a there's like a layer to it that's real. But yeah, that's also... what I really was curious. I didn't uh, actually out of all three of them. I, what I usually do is I'll watch the movies and then just read the Wikipedia page on them, and that's yep. all the research I do. I think it's more interesting that way. Yeah. Um, I didn't fucking even look at the wikipedia for the untouchables so i was curious if you knew if this is meant to be like them telling a like a retelling of a true story like it's meant to be uh like a like a like a fucking what was that movie where they retold the story of seal squad six who shot a baladin and uh you know remember that one yeah (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> is it is it meant to be like that? Is that is this the the eighties version of Seal Squad Six? Uh, I don't know. Like the I I find it has more in kin with the kind of revisionist history shit that uh, Tarantino, Tarantino does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because I was like, like t- taking something that's kind of a bit bland and then turning it into this big epic prestige picture because it is a prestige picture. You know what I mean? Like. It's got all the ingredients for the sort of thing that my dad... I think my dad likes this film. It's the sort of film your dad likes. Oh, yeah. Your dad loves... Dads would fucking dig this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Um, I didn't... Because I think that Inglorious Bastards is is more, like, fun. You know, it's like... Because it's like... Untouchables felt like Steven Spielberg if he had like even a little bit of a sense of humor or like some right. kind of pulpy taste, you know, because yeah. it's a bit it's a bit pulpy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's still like it's it's a prestige picture, however, there is still that um I don't want to say grittiness, but it but uh De Palma doesn't pull any punches. It's still quite a violent movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, it, something like this in the hands of Spielberg, it would be... It'd be smoothed out. It'd be a bit tamer. You know what yeah. I mean? You wouldn't have De Niro fucking brain-busting someone at a fucking table. You know what I mean? Yeah, or Sean Connery just, like, blowing a dude's head off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just curious, before we get into discussions about each of these three films... In terms of your enjoyment, how do you rank them? Uh, Body Double, number one, then The Untouchables, then uh, Wise Guys. And they're all pretty far apart from each other. I I quite enjoyed Body Double. I would recommend it. The Untouchables is okay, and I hated Wise Guys. Yeah. Untouchables is the sort of film that if you turn on, you know, one of of your local channels at nine o'clock at night they'll probably be playing untouchables <laughs> you know what i mean you know like what's interesting i found out they're playing it in cinemas at the moment in really near me yeah i'm because cinemas are open yeah but no movies are coming out so there's like uh hoyt's is is uh is playing a few sessions of the untouchables that's cool yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's the same thing here. We've got well, the only movies that are coming out are, is like shit, like unhinged, <laughs> and then the rest is like like I went and saw Rocky Horror Picture Show the other week mm. because you know they're they're doing what they can to get people in. Can you clearly understand why Untouchables won the best? Yeah, it's such a crowd pleaser. Like, take the most. Uh, try not to use like insulting terms here but the most normie ass npc basic bitch average person and they really not even really like this film they go hey that was good and so therefore you know general consensus is that this is a good film and critics are like wow it's bloody good look at that look at that cast look at the the scale uh, yeah, you know it's like it's a like Untouchables is a well-made movie. It's really well-made. Mm. Um, and what I enjoyed the most was seeing um, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, um, Robert De Niro, Andy Garcia, all in the same film. Yeah, that was that was the real treat for me. Mm. And then. <laughs> Everything else, I was like, this is stupid. But but unlike um, Body Double, the film isn't aware of that. It's very po-faced. I think it takes mm. itself too seriously, which is what made me think of um, Spielberg. It felt like a, like a Spielberg film to me because his films, um, he takes him he takes his movies very seriously. Spielberg has has no concept of irony at all, and I was surprised because, um, after seeing Phantom and Body Double, I know that De Palma has that in him, but it's mostly missing in this. It's very it takes itself seriously, but it still has moments of just absurdity, but no self awareness. I felt. Yeah, that's again, and I think that com- kind of comes into play uh, in 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 a way that I was talking about, like the kind of two sides to De Palma. Mm. Like he tends to hold back his dry wit and um, like showmanship in in certain aspects when he's making films like Untouchables. But then he has his other two films because because like if you look at it, two out of his three films he generally makes are absolutely bananas, weird-ass fucking films. And then he makes, uh, you know, something like The Untouchables. But I don't know if he if if it is very much a one-for-you, two-for-me sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, is he... Do you think he just does these sort of films so he can then go and make, you know, body double? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I think Wise Guys is probably that because... Um... It's that's a movie that is just like completely lacking in vision. Yeah. It's it felt very miserable to me. Yeah. Um and 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 boring like the the fucking movie was on autopilot. So I I think that maybe he does the you know you know you got to like make some films for the studio, try to make the money and then you get to do your passion projects. But I think with like, um, 
Wise Guys, he hated doing it, but Untouchables, it was a film he made for the studio, but had a you know, but had it's a still kind for of it. connected to his. Yeah, he, it um, wasn't like he was sort of thing. Yeah, it wasn't like he was, um, you know, had to abandon passion or any imagination and just make their movie. He still got to make his movie, but probably had to sacrifice some of his uh, taste. Which, going by the films that you can tell, is absolutely just for him. Yeah. Like, body double. Um this would have been different because my main complaint about untouchables is that it takes itself too seriously. And my main complaint about wise guys is it doesn't take itself seriously enough. I would have actually really liked wise guys if it was shot in the style of the untouchables. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like you ask any fan of De Palma or any like film scholar or whatever, right? And the thing that he is most known for is his use of the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a very distinct way of shooting things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he, he's from the school of Hitchcock, but he loves his long tracking shots. He loves, you know, building suspension through, you know, these sweeping shots and stuff. And then in Wise Guys... I don't know if it was just a conscious decision for him to kind of separate... Like, he's like, oh, I'm making a broad comedy. I have to not do any of that. But mm. it just it's just very fascinating that when there's a movie when he's on a kind of autopilot, but he doesn't even bring his own... Like, he doesn't bring anything to the table with that film at all. No. And it's just bizarre. You yeah. know, like, a lot of his movie... Like, some of his films are his bonkers ones almost feel like he knows he can get away with doing whatever he wants. So he just has fun and just experiments and, and, and fails sometimes. Like sometimes some of the things he does in his movies, like with body double, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot wrong with body double. I think Mm -hmm. we can agree there, Yeah. but he's just trying things Mm -hmm. and seeing how much he can get away with. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, like, with wise guys, you'd think he he's getting the opportunity to do something he hasn't really done before. We're not including his early comedies; they're very different. Um, and then, yeah, he just makes I don't know vanilla ice cream. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the most cliche, like broad comedy. It's so weird, and 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 it's I only what laughed. watching order did you watch these in? Um, I went body double first, then wise guys, then untouchables. And I laughed plenty of times during body double because it's, it's pretty funny at points. Um, and I actually laughed more (laughs) at the untouchables. I felt like with, you know, the, 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 the famous scene where Kevin Costner has the shootout on the stairs with the gangsters and the pram is going down the stairs, right? That felt ridiculous to me. Like when the writer is writing that scene, they're laughing as they're doing it because it's preposterous. Yeah. Um, But it takes itself so seriously that I felt like the movie wanted me to be really tense about it. Like, 
oh no, is he going to save the baby? And then the guy like slides under it and he's pointing, <laughs> pointing the gun at the gangster, but holding the baby. And I'm meant to be like, yes, go. Did you find it at all cool? Like, were you, were you invested or was no. it taking you out of it? Yeah, it took, I know. I thought it was, I thought it was lame as fuck. Right. I thought it was, it, it felt like, oh man, it's, <sighs> It felt like this, it felt like fucking propaganda. I'm sorry, but it, it felt like just a huge load of bullshit. Right. Like these, these fucking superhero detectives or whatever the fuck they were pulling off these miracle moves. Like it's a, like it's a, some stupid lowbrow Michael Bay action film. It felt like that felt like a fucking bad boys scene. Right. But it's in a movie that is taking itself very seriously. And, and it has no ounce of humor at all. So, um, would you like to know the history behind that sequence? Yeah. So, basically, the writer, who's David Mamet, who you might recognize his work, he writes a lot of uh gritty courtroom fucking cop drama stuff mm-hmm. um yeah there was originally a a, ch- a train chase sequence mm-hmm. in the film this big epic racing after a train sequence or whatever and the money fell through for and the location fell through for the film and mamet refused to rewrite the scene just refused to write a new chase sequence around whatever they had access to. So De Palma being De Palma, who's like back then was like the world's most famous thief. Like he just steal whatever he fucking wants and just, Mm. you know, wear it like fucking badge of honor. I say second most famous now because Tarantino is probably more famous for doing it now. Yeah. So uh, he took the, the, Odessa step sequence from the 1926 film Battleship Potemkin, which yeah. is the the famous scene during, you know, a battle where there's this pram going down and all these soldiers getting killed around it. He literally just ripped off this like very important prestigious scene from a classic just because he could, because he had no idea what to do. So he's just like, fuck it. Just I'll just do fucking do the Odessa step sequence. Okay. Um, it's interesting that you say that you find it like propaganda. Um, there's a lot of uh, stuff online about people arguing about David Mamet, the writer's political leanings. Okay. Like there are a lot of people that find that he's very right wing. Yeah, but then okay. a lot of his stuff is very, like I find very left wing. So he's a bit of a polarizing figure. I guess the best way you can describe him is very American. <laughs> like he rides very American macho stuff. So yeah. yeah. And that, that really comes through with this film. What do you think of, do you think uh, a weakness for De Palma? I, I don't know. Again, you haven't seen much, but I I've noticed through watching a lot of his films recently. Um, he doesn't know. He's not good with actors. And I think if he casts the right actor, it'll mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't, then it can almost ruin the movie. Like, what did you think of the acting, like the lead actor in Body Double? Uh, yeah, he was fine, but it, it's like, 
he just he just does the job that's why i feel like it doesn't matter that he's not good with actors because his films are inherently quite broad i mean they're totally lacking in any nuance which is fine uh you know you, you don't you don't ha- it doesn't have to be like that and it works for body double for the guy to be like kind of a bit shit yeah and, and for for you know for everything to be really broad there's not there's there's no detailed character study of what makes a pervert or whatever it's 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 pulpy and it's fun yeah but with something like the untouchables i just kept being like are we going to explore like the inner psyche of this guy because i feel like we're supposed to he's putting his family in danger but you don't we don't at all for, yeah he's putting his family in danger for what i mean al capone's a piece of shit but he's profiting off of a bad decision that this guy's government made that he's so in love with like shouldn't there be some sort of internal conflict but there's instead, absolutely just, zero though no instead it's just like there's good guys and there's bad guys and and when he shoots the bad guys, you're meant to go, fuck yeah, go, son. And I was like, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it is interesting that, like, even at the end of the movie, and, and I, I'm, I'm only thinking about this now after you've kind of brought it up, but you know when the reporter goes up to him and he's like, we're going to end prohibition. Uh, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> it's like yeah well shouldn't he be like what was all this for i put my family in danger my friend died I, he died in my arms for what <laughs> well i guess it's like again it's very american isn't it it's about it's about following the law freedom all that sort of shit yeah it's propaganda. yeah i haven't actually thought about it but you might have a point that it's like borderline propaganda in a way I mean, whatever that you know, that shit can be fun when it's self-aware. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, the thing I, is, like, I know, like, De Palma is the kind of filmmaker where, for the for me, the most part, um, he's one of the rare directors where you see the strings, like you can see him doing everything. Yeah, and I think that comes down to the fact, like, he has his visual motifs and he uses them a lot. He usually makes very similar movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even with this, like, I'm very aware of his style. I've seen fucking all of his films. I used to froth this dude. I can still see the strings with him in this mm-hmm. film. So it's 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 hard for me to believe how unself-aware it is. Like, I, think I think he's self-aware, but he's made a picture that isn't. Does that yeah. make sense? Kind of. So it's like this should this should be uh, as in my opinion, this film would work for me if it was as stupid as like Starship Troopers, right? Because it's actually um, dumb and reckless what they're doing, but we're supposed to celebrate him like throwing a man off a building, and it's like yeah, that's right. You need to sink as low as the criminals who are only criminals because of a stupid law that like, but none of that. There's are you just, saying that this film is that. dangerous? Dangerous? Yeah. 
like moralistic like in a moral way like are you saying that it's like towing a very fine line with morality in that sense oh it's not towing the line at all it's crossing it (laughs) no yeah it is full it's nowhere near the line it's so over the top with its like uh like sean connery just fucking like executes that guy he was already dead right Oh, was he? Yeah, so he, so he shot got killed. a dead man he, in the head? Yeah, he shot the dead man in the head to scare the other guy. Yeah, right. So look at this, like, sick behavior that they're <laughs> indulging in. And then they're laughing and smiling and being like, yeah, we're going to get these bad guys. Who, again, are only bad guys because of a stupid law that their government has passed. The same government that they're willing to die for and literally sacrifice their families for or put their families in danger. And it, and it's not if it was made by a, a stupider director or it was a dumber film, I wouldn't even be questioning it. Because it's like if I watch an episode of Law and Order, I don't fucking think about the morality of being a cop. But it is too competent to not address those things. Right. And so it's it's more like ignorance, which is what makes me think that De Palma was just... This is like a, a, a one for them. He's aware of what he's doing and what's going on, but is dressing it up for the, so that the audience doesn't question it. Sure. But it's... It, but it's very plainly there and and it is is ripe for questioning i'm not saying like on a you know personal political moral but in like in terms of like just a fucking quality film yeah i don't even care about it being like well you know films like this are dangerous and this is how you get mass shooters or whatever it's just like yeah it just makes for a fucking boring movie you could make either go all out stupid like a michael bay film or you know have have some interesting characters who have you, who have like a bit of uh, introspection going on That's it would have made for, it would have made for a better movie and more interesting one and i wouldn't have been bored for 2 hours and frustrated because we all know that's the main thing it's and all the while you're still aware as to why this is the best <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. Um, do you, uh, are you aware of the fact that these three movies were made back to back? Uh, yeah, I saw, uh, that on the, the filmography. So, um, he made Scarface in 83, right? Um, mm. you said you've seen Scarface, but haven't seen Scarface. Is that right? Yeah, I saw it when I was, um, like, like 17 or something and I didn't really pay attention so that's one of his big epic operatic sort of films made it he made it for pacino Mm -hmm. um and the studios and it was like absolutely uh lambasted for its violence like there's a scene where a dude gets cut up with a fucking chainsaw Mm -hmm. and um so directly after that de palma really wanted to show them actually something offensive and that's why he made body double like, he actually made it as a fuck you to <laughs> senses. <laughs> How, uh, in what order do you rank these, these movies? Well, I love Body Double. Um, it's an incredibly flawed movie. However, there are aspects of it that I find, like, amazing. 
Yeah, because you've seen all. Have you seen every De Palma movie? Uh, there's a couple of weird ones I haven't seen, like a couple of his early ones. I haven't seen his first film, Murder a la Mode. Um, I haven't seen Get to Know Your Rabbit, which is one I'm excited to finally see. It's like he was like 23 and did a movie with fucking Orson Welles, and oh, like cool. was freaking out because Orson Welles was on set. <laughs> um, and I haven't seen Bonfire of the Vanities yet, but I'm saving that until. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna read. I'm reading a book about the making of that film, like mm. for the second time, and I want to finish that the second time, and then finally watch the film. Um, so is, is Body Double right right up there with his best for you? Well, see, the thing is, Body Double's a weird. Like it's it's hard to say Body Double's great. Like yeah. Body Double sucks. Like Body Double has a <laughs> like. It's, it kind of it kind of so, does. It's terrible. Like like. It, it, it is one of the ugliest films I've ever seen. <laughs> like, the lighting in that film mm-hmm. is god-awful. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually the movie is lit like a porno. Yeah, it's lit like a fucking porno. And, uh, you know, so basically as preparation for this podcast, because I had a lot of spare time because of COVID, I ended up watching all of his films from the 80s just mm-hmm. because I find his movies incredibly easy to watch. If yeah. there's something like Untouchables, you know, they're inoffensive. I have fun watching them. I love the score of Untouchables. The music's fantastic. It's the best bit. Scarface is very similar. But on his more experimental movies, like, say, Body Double, I'm just in awe of his fucking balls. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that he just can, he just happily just does this really ridiculous shit. Mm. Um, so, I've, I think I've figured out why Body Double is so fucking ugly. Um, so he made Scarface, uh, which is a, you know, like a traditional gangster movie, but it's set in Miami mm-hmm. and he very specifically wanted it not to look like the Godfather. Yeah. You know, like that really dark and shadowy sort of gangster film. Scarface mm-hmm. is a very, it's got a lot of pastels. It's very bright, yep. you know? So directly after that, he made Body Double, which is you know, a Hitchcockian psychosexual thriller thing. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that he tried to do the same thing for the thriller genre. Like he tried to make a a very high key glitz and glamoury lighting sort of style for this movie that needed to be darker. Yeah. You know, like there's just these sequences during the day, like when they're at the mall and it's, everything's just so fucking bright and they're at the beach and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. man, like, and I think, I don't know if it's just the film stock as well. The film just looks crap. Yeah. So I don't know, like objectively this movie is terrible. Like I showed it to a friend of mine and he's like, that was awesome. And I'm excited to never watch it ever again. (laughs) There are, there's like small parts that no joke looks like it's shot on VHS. Totally. And, and there's weird green screen moments. Like there's a moment at the beginning where he's driving his car and he's looking happy as Larry Hmm. and the fucking back projection is the worst thing I've ever (laughs) seen ever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you'll notice it, but the thing is, uh, for me, it added to the charm Yeah, because it, it, it doesn't take itself seriously at all from the very start no. because, um, like the way the film opens is, is, is like a, a film within a film because he's an actor 
and um you know it, it like pans down to him in the coffin and this is how we you know learn about his fear of small spaces and then um he like turns and pulls a face right at the camera <laughs> like wide-eyed with these big dracula teeth showing and it just holds on that for fucking ages it is so <laughs> goofy that it sets the tone for the whole film and it says uh this is this is gonna be a stupid movie and it is but it's but it's fun and the he's he's not even ripping off some obscure Hitchcock stuff. It's like two of his biggest movies. He literally just remakes them. He just squishes them together and does yep. it again. And this isn't the first time he's done it or the last time. He no. literally, those two films, he just recycles them. Yeah. Because he can. Yeah. And but he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. But he understands, um, he understands storytelling. Totally. Uh, so you know the whole so it's it's never boring and so you know the whole thing just like plods along it's paced like perfectly that's that's the strongest thing i find with de palma the the films that i've seen is that his films are, are, are paced so well that you're never boring we never stick around for too long with anything they're just they're pure entertainment yeah but it just gets a bit much with untouchables that takes itself seriously. And he's not a serious filmmaker and wise guys isn't serious enough because no. he's not, he's so, not like, he's not really again, a comedy he filmmaker. Pre- he's funny. Like, like body double is hilarious at times on purpose, but, Oh, but um, it's such a dry wit. Yeah. It's incredibly dry. So, going from Body Double, which is, uh, like, very funny, in my opinion, to Wise Guys, which is a fucking Danny DeVito movie, like, those styles of humor cannot be more different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a movie that's, like, has Danny DeVito pulling silly faces. Totally. <laughs> that's what nah. it is. Um, with- I only laughed once... And that was at the end where they're planning this guy's to fake his own death. So they put a fake skeleton on the table. <laughs> that was kind they, of funny. Yeah. And then they set the gas thing to explode, but the mafia is coming to get them. And then they run out of the house because they're going to, you know, the house going to explode. But then the mafia runs in to kill them and then they're looking for them and they just see it's find this skeleton on the table. And then up there he's like, <laughs> There's a skeleton on the table. Mm. That was funny. I laughed, and that was the only time I laughed. I I also found the grandmother funny. I don't know, like just this like really old nonna, you know, um, just being like, "You don't call me." I I found her kind of amusing. Um, yeah, she's okay. With with body double, it's a movie about filmmaking in a way. Mm-hmm. There's like, you're constantly aware of what he's doing, but on top of that, we're following it, an actor and then we're having sequences on a set and then we're even having characters reference like plot points. Like, it's yeah. very bizarre. Like, it's, I think it's, he's able to do it because he knows that world so well. 
yeah it's a bit it's a bit meta like that but it's not you don't have to be like um you know someone who's in the industry or uh, like understands filmmaking to to understand the movie it's not like a whole bunch of inside jokes Mm. no it's it's still broad enough for anyone to understand Mm -hmm. um okay so like a lot of the things we've been saying about this film makes it just sound dog shit right but you know this is the 80s this is like smack bang in the middle of the fucking 80s and what's becoming a big thing in the early 80s mtv right Mm -hmm. so he's like all these fucking commercials and music videos Okay, then you want a music... Like, we've got to have a song in the movie to make it a big hit. He just decides to put the music video in the film. Yeah. How... That's nuts. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Frankie goes to Hollywood. That's actually the dude, isn't it? That No, that's the music video for the song. Oh, it's is just, it? Yeah, he lit, like, they literally shot the music video for the song on the same set. And there's sequences in the music video. That's... <laughs> the, the movie came out the same time as the song. <laughs> That's cool. Isn't that That's insane? Really cool. Yeah. But, but like, how do, how does your brain, like, I don't know how his brain works like that. You know, like, oh yeah. You know, like, remember there was a point, I think in the 2000s where like every movie had a fucking song by mm-hmm. like Celine Dion or Chad Kroger or someone. Mm-hmm. And there's always these shit music videos that just has sequences of the film in it. Yeah. This just is that to, to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I See, was that's al- cool. That's the kind of imagination I like from him. Yeah. It's, it's just, he literally is just taking the conventions and the, and the norm and doing it, but just in the most twisted way possible. I've been up and down with Body Double on as to whether or not I like the casting of the lead guy. I right. think we t- touched on it before, but so he sucks. He's terrible. Yeah. But like I think it's film, I think it's perfectly cast. Because he's such a wet noodle. Yeah, cuz he's shit and you it's get so a wet funny. noodle actor. Yeah. But he's good. It's good for the role and for the tone of the film. Because he's like, he's such a weird-looking guy, and uh, and such a nervous guy, who's trying to be an actor. And everyone, ke- I, I laughed every time people called him handsome. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's like just. He's the most aggressively average man ever. No, he looks like a like a a a, a wimpier Bill Maher. I didn't even think of that. He does look like Bill Maher, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and yeah, over thinking about it, I think I can think of a similar like it's similar to Michael Keaton in Birdman, mm-hmm. except for Birdman's like. A really well-made movie, mm-hmm. but the principle's the same. Like the character's meant to not be a great actor, yeah. so instead of getting a bad, a-, a good actor to try and be bad, you cast someone perfectly for who they are. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I thought I, I do think it was a good choice. However, you look at some of his films, and he's got these amazing actors in them. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time that's what props them up from being like his little fun experiments mm-hmm. to something else. Yeah. You know, like, if you know, like, I don't know how enjoyable Untouchables would be if he didn't have the cast he had. Oh, horse shit movie with that. Yeah. Because that's the only thing I liked about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, because it's always good. Uh, I'm not going to say always good watching Robert De Niro, but <laughs> this era, Robert De Niro, he, he's, yeah. his performance as Al Pacino is great because it's just like, Robert De Niro playing a fucking Did you gangster. call him playing Al Pacino? Did I say yeah, I meant <laughs> <laughs> Al Capone. Uh yeah. yeah, playing Capone. I'd like to watch that. De Niro playing Pacino. That would be very bizarre. Um yeah. It, you know, so that's that's really fun. Uh Sean Connery's good in this because he's not the fucking lead. So it's just kind of cool when when he shows up. And Kevin Costner's you know, he's all right. Well, he's, he's got... Kevin Costner has that He's got man, presence. Yeah. He's got... Well, I think he's got that everyman appeal. Like, mm-hmm. he he isn't, again, like a... He's not a Craig Wasson, but he's not, like, the most handsome actor on the planet. He does have that everyman feel to him. And I yeah. think Elliot Ness, the character, is meant to have that as well. Yeah. So, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact... Uh, the sequence in which Sean Connery gets shot, apparently Sean Connery fucking hated it and uh, was having a really hard time doing it. And De Palma was like, haven't you been shot before? You're James Bond. <laughs> and he's like, no, I've never been shot in a film before. <laughs> Isn't that fucking hilarious? Well, yeah, the- I'm trying to think, I guess. I'm, but in my head, I swear I can see... Sean Connery Bond getting like taken one in the shoulder or something. No, but, but I guess when not. you think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. With the cat, like the with the Bond that we saw in the movies we watched, mm. he's like an he's like untouchable, pun yeah. intended. Yeah. And and then in this movie, he just gets fucking blown away. Like, yeah. He's like, how many bullets never, does he take? I definitely understand that he's never had like squibs and shit. And he's got to, like, pretend to be getting shot. Yeah, he would hate that because he loves just being cool. Yeah, and did you know that he won an Oscar for this film? (laughs) What? Yeah, this is his Oscar film. (laughs) Oh, okay. You know how how the Oscars work? Like, they have... They usually pick the wrong film or Mm. they get pressured into picking a film or an actor because everyone's, like, getting behind them. Yeah, it's it's one of those, like, hey... Thank you, Oscars. You've been around for a long time, so... Yeah. There you go. It's like when um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive beat Ray Fiennes for Schindler's List. It's like... It's like... uh, Like, how absurd is that, you know? It's 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 a thank you Oscar. It's like a oh yeah. Ha- we but don't know how many opportunities they owe they're going to have. Fines because of that shit, so they got to give it to Ray Fines for whatever sh- other shit he was in. Oh yeah, and it just and then the cycle continues. With they should have given Ray, Ray Fines for the Hotel Babadook. What the fuck was that movie called? What's that? The that fucking Wes Anderson movie with the the Hotel Marionette. 
Oh, um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, that's right. I don't think he won for that either. I don't think he's won an Oscar. Actually, if I was going to give him an Oscar, it would be for that because I didn't. I I would have hated that movie if it wasn't for Ray Fiennes. Yeah, that. he's he's hilarious in it. Yeah. Um. In terms of why you think he made these three films in a row, so going Body Double, Wise Guys, Untouchables. It's like scattershot. Um, what do you think the logic behind these three? Like, if you were just to hypothesize what was going through his brain, mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you think the situation was? He made Wise Guys right after Body Double, yeah. Well, yeah, two years later, but it was directly. It was the next film he made. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, did Body Double lose money? I, I, I th- I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. Like, it didn't make money. It at least broke even. I think it's actually disputed as to how much it cost. I think it was like six or ten million. I think if you yes. go on... It's got, like, both. It's really weird. Okay, so if he made Body Double as a fuck you for them being like, oh, Scarface, bleh, um, then I think the studio was annoyed at him for that. And they're yeah. like, you got to make this Danny DeVito comedy because they, you know, that around that time, they're like, oh yeah, that's going to be a, that's a surefire money in the bank. Yeah. And so they told him he has to do that. And so as a fuck you to them, he didn't even show up to film it. It's like he isn't involved. Like I cannot think, I think there, there was like one shot that felt like De Palma, mm. and that's the 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 pan around while everyone's running away from the car, but yeah. even then, that's a stretch. Yeah, uh, so that's what that's why I think that movie feels like that because the 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 producers were like, "Listen up, De Palma, if you ever want to work in this town again, you're gonna film this comedy with." So he's like, "Oh, I'll film your comedy, all right. I'll film it into the fucking ground." <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and then with Untouchables, they were like, okay, bitch, listen, you gotta make this one work, or we are serious. So he was like, all right, fine, I'll fucking make you some money. Like- so he did, which is why this, this, this is why Untouchables feels like, um, uh, an interesting director with a sense of humor on his best behavior. Right. You know? Like, he's not even on a leash. He's just behaved, you know? So, it's like he made Body Double as a fuck you, then Mm. was forced to do Wise Guys. Yeah, Wise Guys is kind of like his apology out the side of the mouth. And then they're like, no, really. And then Untouchables is like a genuine apology. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, okay, like... If I don't make this, then I'm probably never working again, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's kind of like Untouchables is like... Yeah, like it's literally like him like trying his hardest not to be a complete and utter um, fucking, mm-hmm. you know, wash away sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I have to mention, cause again, like we watched Body Double just because, again, it adds something interesting. My what's oh what's your favorite bit of body double? Um oh 
uh, when he um he goes to the 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 set of the the porno to right. to act uh, to confront that woman and then so he he gets a part in it right but then afterwards and i still don't understand why maybe you can tell me um when he goes to speak to her in her dressing room for some reason he's wearing a red leather jacket and has his hair slicked back (laughs) (laughs) and i didn't he just shows up like that suddenly after having this like curly fluffy mullet the whole time (laughs) and wearing like i can't even remember what he wears i just like a grandma's sweater or some shit uh then suddenly yeah he's 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 wearing a red leather jacket and has his hair slicked back and he's He's under now. Suddenly, he's undercover as like this, um, you know, sharp talking producer. Where he's like, yeah. "Listen, darling, you're you're the, you're the, you're the glitz and the glamour I'm looking for, and my you gotta hear me out on this deal." And I, I didn't understand where he s- suddenly he's because he's in the same place. Yeah, he just disappears <laughs> and comes back dressed like that. <laughs> oh man that's funny i didn't even really think about that like i i noticed that he changes his outfit but like i didn't really think about space and time that he like had a whole other outfit planned yeah i didn't I even just, think about that like what i noticed get that yeah is on. that the main character the main actor in rear window and vertigo is james stewart like jimmy stewart mm-hmm. and I swear to God, he's almost doing a Jimmy Stewart impersonation when he's playing that character. Okay. Like, he's got the Jimmy Stewart voice going. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, a voice. You, you don't speak like that <laughs> at all. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, is that De Palma being like, oh, yeah, like, pretend to be Jimmy Stewart or something? So he slicks mm. his hair back and mm. just speaks in the world's weirdest accent ever. It's so, yeah, it's so unusually funny. There's so many more. Like, um, also, I really liked when he's at the acting class. Right. And um, the the guy just has, the, the instructor has him close his eyes and, <laughs> and like, has him, like, pretend to be a sardine in a tin. And he's, like, basically tormenting the guy where he's, like, where are you? He's, like, I'm in a dark place. I'm a, I'm a sardine. He's, like... Call out! Yell out! It's like I can't have a sardine. It's like yell out! And then the this the, the dude who ends up helping him out jumps up and he's like, "Stop this! This is torture! You're mentally torturing the man!" And he's on the verge of tears. What is so funny is because they do shit like that in acting classes, which I have always found to be fucked up. <laughs> that they do that shit. So to hear this guy stand up and be like. This is ridiculous. Like, yeah, it is fucking stupid. Yeah, um, my my favorite bit, and, and like literally, it's like his. He just breaks, like the you know that you, you're gonna know exactly what I mean. The moment where he just breaks the film. Mm-hmm. So uh, near the end of the movie, the bad guy, you know, is revealed to be the gentleman that uh, lent him the apartment. It's all very predictable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you found that like it's clear that the the Indians like a rubber mask and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But at the end of the movie, <clears throat> he confronts the the bad guy as that as he's trying to murder this this woman, 
and he falls into the uh, into the grave, and the main character's claustrophobic, and the bad guy's like throwing dirt on him, and is like, you know, you had to be the hero of the film. You couldn't be, you know, the extra. You had to be the hero. You're gonna have to. He's basically breaking the the fourth wall and basically saying, yeah, you're the hero of this film. You have to do something, mm-hmm. which in itself is very meta, right? Yeah. And then the film stops. And all of a sudden, we're back on the set at the beginning of the movie. And he's, like, talking to the director of the film. And then, you know, like, mirroring the beginning of the movie, he, like, can't do this one thing. And the director pretty much fires him as a result. Yeah. But he's learned from that. And he's like, no, if I don't get it, I, you know, I'll be fired. And anyway, he gets back in the coffin and... The movie starts again. Like, literally, there's like a five-minute sequence that's just not the film. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's my favorite part, just because it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but it's like, it's true to the character arc. Because yeah. then he overcomes, because he realizes he has to overcome his um, uh, claustrophobia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or he will die. Uh, slash get fired and so he does and then the film ends with him (laughs) the film ends with him in the dracula makeup and he's kept his part and he's now playing the vampire who is um rubbing up against the naked woman in the shower instead of the other guy who took his part from and that's that's a scene earlier when he confronts the director about being fired you see someone else playing the vampire and doing that. But now at the end, he's the one doing it. Yeah. So again, And then it, the credits for both films run. Isn't that it? The, yeah, well, the credits for the movie we just watched. Yeah, so basically, um, the credit sequence is just this really awkward scene where they're, like, trying to get a zoom in on the tits and make yeah. sure that his hand... But and no, it's not sexy at all. It is deliberately awkward. Looking. No, it's just a boob. Like it's literally just a <laughs> shot of a boob. Just like, just like awkwardly touching the nipple. <laughs> well, again, like I, again, that's like clearly from the perspective of someone who's been on a set. I've yeah. been on so many sets where there's sex scenes or you know shit like this, and it's never sexy. No, it's always awkward. You know, it's always just it's cringe. Sterile and, and awkward. And, you know, and I guess it has to be, you know, if it was sexy, then... Yeah, you don't want everyone on set getting horny. That... No, that would be very, that would be very, you know, uh, out of the question. But yeah. again, it's it's just a very, it's, it's fitting of the film. Hmm. But how many movies do you see having the ability to just break the movie? I, I can't describe it in any other way other than breaking the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it it fucking throws convention completely out the window, which is good. Like I always I always have respect for films that that do that. Um but yeah. I felt like it actually worked because um because it um it plays through the the character arc nicely, brings it full circle. And, um, also throughout the whole movie, it, it, it teases meta themes and then does other shit like that, where he's, um, uh, 
so the plot is convoluted and it's hard to get into, but um, it's it's presented in a really simplistic way. So you're not going to be confused at all by it. But when he realizes that he's been set up and he's like, don't you see? I'm an, you know, he's, I'm an actor and he's cast me in this, in this role as the witness. And, uh, he doesn't have to word it like that, but, uh, that is, that is, that is kind of what it is. And that's like, um, you know, it's sort of like, that's, uh, the, 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 the middle ground for the, the, the meta themes that are prevalent throughout, but they get more and more extreme as it goes on. Totally. Totally. Um, so this film in particular had a really big backlog. We're, we're pretty much just talking about body double now, right? <laughs> yeah, the the yeah the good one, the good one, oh the interesting one. Yeah. Um. So this movie had a huge backlash, uh, in like from feminist groups, and um, yeah, like this he is known as a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Did you get that vibe from any of his movies? No. I mean, uh, he's like, um, a, you know, a fan of the boys. He's because there's, there's no real female characters in any of them. But um, I didn't. I never felt like he was being derogatory towards women. Just more even the bit where they're just getting murdered by a giant drill that's clearly phallic i mean there's two shapes in the universe a circle and a and a and a, and a line i thought so you were going to say a circle and a dick but i was about to say a circle and a dick yeah, yeah. there's a <laughs> there's a there's a boob and a dick what do you want him to do like whack her over the head with a kettlebell yeah <laughs> um it's funny he claims ignorance like he claims that he didn't make the drill large to be phallic. Right. He said he, he said in interviews, he's like, the only reason the drill was so big is so it would go through the floor so the main character could see the drill. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that was his logic behind it being so big. But you know he, what? That's fair enough. But, you know, it, it's a phallic symbol in a hypersexual as... It's like a psychosexual movie, so it makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she literally gets penetrated with a big phallic drill, but it's like, I don't know, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's, it's it, like, he's from the school of, um, like, he loves fucking Hitchcock. Like, again, like, this movie's just a giant homage slash ripoff of Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me think of that there's a Hitchcock quote, I'm paraphrasing, it's like, when I make a movie, I think of story, I think of plot, I think of making something interesting. Yeah. And through that, themes become apparent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think, like, I think he's not aware of the things he's doing or saying. He's mm. just trying to tell a story. And as a result, things like that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, and it's not like he. Um... Oh, fucking hell. Like, if any, if any of them were uh maybe not misogynistic but uh maybe hyper masculine it would be fucking untouchables which is just like almost gay in how much he just like is you know the, the film is just so in love with fucking kevin costner's character 
like all these fucking the handsome boys hanging out and being all cool and macho it's fucking shit but i mean like like that's incredibly biased towards those characters but in this i mean like if if you're gonna say like oh the women don't get off easy it's like well you know if by that logic he's not exactly a fan of any man in the film either the main character is literally a fucking keeping tom he's a piece of shit like he's a he's an incredibly unlikable character like um yeah he like spies on uh women being naked and it's not celebrated in the film at all he's he's ashamed of it uh like in he tries to hide it because he's he's embarrassed but he's also clearly ashamed of it within himself and then when the detective finds out he gives him shit for it that detective character's entire purpose like he has no other purpose in the movie other than to make him feel bad for being a fucking perv like that's the only purpose of that character yeah and he does he does feel bad you can tell like he's constantly uh feeling bad about it i just Mm. want to quickly mention that i also love the bit where he's spying on her for the second or third time and then he notices um a, a repairman fixing a satellite near her house and sees him looking in the window as well and he's like hey oh and then has a moment of like do i get mad about this guy doing that Mm. uh i I thought that was really good it's it there is like a bit of like uh convenience but i get like i think they're trying to set up like or at least i've seen people interpret it like he doesn't like as soon as the bad guy breaks in and kills the woman right he Mm. doesn't automatically call the police Mm. because the only reason he would know is because he's perv yeah um i think you kind of just gotta go for the ride with this sort of stuff you know what i mean like you i think if you get hung up on something so petty Mm. then you're kind of missing the point of the movie yeah um i've just got a, a quote here from him about his treatment of women and i just want your opinion on it uh, so this is to Palmer responding to criticism of being a misogynist. I'm always attacked for having an erotic, sexist approach. Chopping up women, putting them in peril. I make suspense movies. What else is going to happen to them? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, I've only seen four of his movies now. Yeah. And uh, I don't even remember. So in Untouchables, I remember one woman who is... His wife? His wife, who I don't remember seeing other than him being like, hello, wife, and then she goes away. Uh, the women in... um, What the fuck is... Wise guys? Yeah, uh, that is like, I just remember the grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in Body Double... Actually, um... Yeah, but you know what? Like, I would imagine, like, a misogynist makes the... Like, usually makes the women, um, like, shit characters. Like, dumb characters. Like, Michael Bay is a misogynist. Yeah. Because the women in his films are objectified and have no character. They're just dumb and they stand there. There's... I... 
the the two main women in body double are real characters i mean especially um holly what's her name the blonde one melanie griffith yeah yeah she's actually i think she does she's the best performance in the film mm-hmm. yeah. she does a really good job with the film i think mm-hmm. the most of the criticism has to do with the woman that's murdered with this film specifically I don't yeah. see how anyone could have a problem with uh, Holly, the character of Holly, you know? Except for actually, got... she right. is almost like murdered at the end and stuff and is a bit of a ditz. I, I, if I were to say, like, so my other favorite director is Robert Altman. And he's also, I think we talked about it on the Robert Altman episode. He's yeah. also accused of being a misogynist. And, and okay. yeah, I know. How weird is that? And... I think I'm more likely to believe that De Palma is than uh, Altman, but I mm-hmm. still think it's a stretch. I mean, he might be, but I don't think that these films are sexist. No. So I like, uh, I don't know who's fishing. <laughs> But uh, I'm surprised to hear that because, um, yeah, I don't know. I just find that really confusing because it's like, I don't know, maybe you could make that argument, I guess. I think it literally has to do with how he murders that one woman in this film. Okay. That's the only thing I can think of. And like, she is kind of just an, she's a bit of an object in the film. Do you know what I mean? Like, she doesn't really have a character. So I yeah. can kind of get behind, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, because she's meant to be a mystery yeah. to him. Mm. And so we are watching this woman through the lens of our main character and viewing her as he views her, which yep. is he's objectifying her. Uh, sorry, what, what, what do you want there to be like another fucking half hour of the film on the side dedicated to understanding the background and the sophistication of this woman. I'm trying to watch a fucking movie. Yeah. Can you, I think, I think it always has, I think it always comes down to picking your battles. Like this movie is an erotic thriller Mm. based on like a love letter to Hitchcock. Yeah. Like you're not here. You're not watching a fucking, I don't know, like a fucking movie about women, you know? I have, I have a much stronger case, right, against Untouchables for being violent propaganda, than sure. than Body Double being sexist. A much stronger case. Watch me do nothing about it, please, please do something else. Yeah, there's so many bigger fights and... Go do anything else. Is there anything else you want to say about these films before we go on to the reviews? No, I can just start with the reviews. Yeah, fair. Awesome. Okay, so... This is a 10 out of 10 review by Spelling One. A great movie, tremendously underrated and overlooked. Uh, We're talking about Untouchables here? December 2005. No, no, no. Uh, It's the... um, uh, Body Double? Yeah, Body Double. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, this so is going to say, true. like, Untouchables underrated. What? <laughs> Won an Oscar. Uh, this is a terrific yeah. murder mystery, comedy, erotic thriller, and Brian De Palma's next flick after Scarface. Let yourself go along with it for a really fun ride. The style is tongue-in-cheek, masterful filmmaking, including the usual uh, ballet camera work and wonderfully interesting imaginative staging. It looks like everyone had a lot of fun making this overlooked gem. The star, a young Craig Wasson, gives an Oscar-caliber performance overlooked What by all the are kids. you saying? <laughs> Is this a meme? <laughs> Is uh, this a review in the movie? Because it's so... What? Yeah, that's a that's a joke they'd make in the film about yeah. him, again about like him being handsome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what gives with this? Scorsese never won an Oscar for best director either, so the fix must be in. Scorsese. Okay. Who is uh, he, this person? Spelling one. Oh right. Okay. He carries the entire movie and is in practically every scene. An unbelievably great performance. This actor never made it big to the big time but if you want to see a terrific real actor providing a stunning display of his chops you must check this flick he Truly fucking one of the great sucks murder mysteries of all time a real fine yeah uh like we were saying like perfect casting because he's so funny in it that he's like bad because it's like yeah he's a yeah. bad actor in the film in 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 like um low budget indie horror thrillers and so you get the impression that it's like we're watching one of the movies that his character would act in and how he would act which is which is really fun uh i can't even find uh like a a conceivable logic where you could say this is an Oscar worthy performance. No, that's, without it that being that a joke. threw me off. Like at the beginning uh, of this review, it was like you kind of got to like just let go to watch this film. Mm-hmm. I, and and I was like, yeah, I agree. Like this is the kind of film that uh, film snobs would hate. Yeah, just like if anyone that is like into like really pretentious like movies have to like have a point or like a social conscience mm-hmm. or anything like that, this movie will piss them the fuck off well, and they'll Joe, hate it. Joe, my friend, I think we might just have this guy now because we got a one out of 10 review by yeah. Lazar 2. Yeah. Parody of what? 2006. This whole film is so predictable and unbelievable that I file it with the Airplane series. Parody of Hitchcock? At best, it's a parody of itself, and perhaps unconsciously so. The horribly dated disco and porno scenes only make it worse. The thrills are jokes, and the mystery is solved by any thinking viewer in the first few minutes. Are we supposed to accept the Indian as a character that any real witness would describe in any way other than he had a rubber mask on? The setup of the witness right at the beginning is so painfully obvious that I watched the film only in hope that I was wrong. The murder itself would be a joke if only it were actually funny, and the witness's reaction to the murder is absurdly inappropriate. If you want to paint someone into into a corner to have them not call the police, it has to be better than merely that they don't want to admit peeping with a telescope. Right. This is murder. After all, let's respect that with some adequate explanations. 
that also applies to motive. You don't kill your beautiful young rich wife for the insurance. Rich people don't need life insurance. If anything, you just kill them for their money, straight up. But why in the first place? I need a real motive, folks. Actually, I need a real film, which this is not. <laughs> wow. Uh, I kind of agree with everything, but that's why I think it's good. That's But that's the fun of it. Do, yeah, you, think, do you think this guy would hate uh, Phantom of the Paradise? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's like... It's like it's similar to um, what's his name, uh, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. It's like if you're not in on the joke, yeah, then it's going to be a very hard watch. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's like some people just don't understand that you can have two things at, at once. Like, this can be uh, like tongue in cheek, but it's got a real. It's got real thrills and drama. I mean, when that woman gets killed in the controversial misogynistic murder, uh, that was uh, that was shocking. I was like, oh shit! When the you know he's he's looking, he's getting attacked by the dog, and then he looks up at the at the ceiling, the the drill coming through, and there's blood on the drill. Uh, that's horrifying. I wasn't like, oh my god. Right, but mm-hmm. it's kind of funny at the same time, you know? Yeah. But I was like, whoa, shit. Uh, so it, it has, it it does have all those things, like a, like a real sense of, of drama and mystery and, and thrills, but it's, it's, it, it's fucking tongue in cheek, dude. You don't, like, there's only, there's only one... <laughs> Like, it, everything's so black and white to people like this that it's either, uh, you know, a, a serious drama or uh, a broad comedy. Yeah, things can only be untouchables or wise guys. And then something like this that, you know, exists in the in-between where it can be both uh, just fucking upsets people like this. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Is this meant to be funny well, I wasn't laughing. <laughs> Give me a real movie like <laughs> Untouchables. Uh, Fuck. Yeah, I fucking hate this guy. Awesome. Yeah, I don't no, know why I... it pisses me off so much. I'm just, just so fucking sick. After the Paul Verhoeven one, yeah. uh, I was just like, I didn't want to read another review like that again. Where it's like, just shut up. Like, you sound like a fucking idiot. You 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 are making a fool of yourself right now, and it's gone completely over your head. It's just it's like to a lot of people or to these sort of people, there's only one way to watch a film. Yeah, and that's wrong. You know yeah. that's that's totally wrong. You can't. It's as soon as there's like anything that challenges your understanding of filmmaking Mm. it automatically becomes terrible you know i'm still really surprised that um tarantino doesn't get more shit like he's pretty widely accepted as good and i mean like i don't think he gets the, the any any kind of scrutiny i mean like i would expect someone like that to 
if they're scrutinizing that movie, then they should hate pretty much all of Tarantino's films. But usually cunts like that really like his films and say things like that just show goes to show why he's the master it's it's well okay so because those films are all incredibly tongue-in-cheek they're so self-aware as movies but you're meant to take them seriously and so i'm surprised that his movies are so widely celebrated in the mainstream because usually things like that get get shit all over I can I can give you my hypothesis as to why he works. Mm. Um, so I always like try to compare modern day filmmakers to the past. Like mm. who who were they most like? And you know, like I, I've said to you before that P.T. Anderson is very similar to Robert Altman in mm-hmm. my in my mind. Uh, Tarantino is Brian De Palma. Right. They actually have very similar uh, understanding and like You're, with their do the same use of, thing. They do is... the exact same thing. The difference is, I think people are stupider now, mm-hmm. um, or haven't seen as many movies. So mm-hmm. Tarantino is like, abs- like has seen fucking everything, right? Mm-hmm. And his movies are a collage. Almost everything in all of his movies is a direct take on something else. Yeah. But th- he smuggles them in. Like, he he hides them in ways that are harder to detect. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I, I love when I notice something in his movies and go, oh, yeah, that's from Yojimbo, or that's from a Kurosawa movie, or that's from Psycho. Like, it's actually, like, fun to notice them because he, the way he puts them in is a bit more subtle. Right. Whereas De Palma is like, fuck it, I'll make Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, it's just Vertigo and Rear Window. And it's together. so abrasive. Like, it's so on the, like, it's so on the nose. Yeah. But... I, I don't think a lot of people realize how absolutely derivative Tarantino is to a point. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a... I don't, I don't say that as a... Like, I don't condemn him for it. I have respect for how much he's just like, I, I'll just do what I want. I'll just... I, I really liked his definition of it. Uh, he said that he sees himself as like a, a movie DJ. Right. He just takes samples and mixes them all together into a different thing, mm. which but, is cool. But I just, I find it so interesting that, you know, like w- when me and you were at film school, I tell people this. I'm like, mm. he just rips people off. Yeah. And again, I say that in an endearing way because I think it's, I, I think it's admirable. We're living in such a postmodern fucking world. Yeah. You can't not. And so when people are, uh, aware of it and wear it as a badge of honor. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many people that would get offended when I said that about Tarantino. Yeah, because they're saying, how does he come up with that? It's like, yeah. well, he didn't. He, he's just copying a bunch of things, uh, which is fine. Like, I'm not fucking... Do you think I, 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 I like NWA any less because Dr. Dre didn't you know, record that trumpet himself and, and write that. <laughs> they just took something and put it in 
this other thing and mixed it with other things to make a new thing. That's cool. That's fine. That's fine. I like I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think you're probably onto something there. I, he, he's also a little more uh, goofy on the surface. Sure. So yeah, I, I think he's like body doubles incredibly goofy, Dane. Yeah, but I mean, if Tarantino did it, it would be way more over the top. I think. Interesting. Just because that's how he usually is. I mean, like, this reminds me more of a... He's very similar to Verhoeven in a way. Not... Like, Verhoeven is is almost fucking criminal with how much of a troll he is. Like, I don't like him. I do, but, like... He's more of a he's, smuggler, though. He, he's, like, yeah, he, he's he a, hides he's a, it really deep. Exactly. He hides it so well in order to make you feel like an idiot later. Yeah. Tarant- uh, uh, De Palma doesn't. No, De, De, De Palma doesn't, really. But, so it's... But he just... In, I think he just enjoys the, the subtlety. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of... He seems like a pretty classy guy he's got like a good sense of subtlety but isn't isn't um averse to broad comedy you know well i would i would argue that his comedy is never broad a low brow i mean it's yeah like low, low brow. brow done subtlety uh done subtly totally uh yeah similar to that other fellow that we watched that uh, is i forget his name uh, who <laughs> the guy who did uh, nashville oh altman yeah yeah bit like bit like that as well totally all these guys are very similar starting to get a sense of the era yeah the the um new hollywood sort of style yeah, which is why Spielberg is so has become so funny to me lately since we've been watching all these all these uh all these guys because he's from that era but he's like the dork who didn't get it. Well, he he's the he killed it. Yeah. Him and George Lucas killed the golden goose. Yeah, they didn't they weren't in on the joke by making a bigger golden goose that made far more money. <laughs> but yeah. unfortunately it it resulted in interesting less interesting films getting financed let's just say that Mm. um one of de palma's movies blowout is one of tarantino's favorites which is interesting so yeah like he he's he uh overtly expresses that he loves de palma yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be watching more of him yeah uh i will read this review a 10 out of 10 review by what's Wayne. this for by the way um uh, it's uh wise guys okay because you're not ten... saying which ones we're reading <laughs> uh 10 stars what for wise guys uh by wayne uh, masters uh thank you mr acavano uh. 2009 one of the funniest and entertaining mob flicks I have ever seen. The talented Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo... Piscopo? Pascopo. Pescopo. Piscopo. Uh, shine in Wise Guys with a ton of laughs. But what totally made this movie for me was Captain Lou, the fixer. 
His character was Da Bomb. <laughs> a rough, foul-mouthed, tough guy that was always ready to kick some donkey. And he's got a little smiley face. <laughs> the trouble these guys get into and how they try to solve the problems with Da Boss is really something else. Haha. <laughs> what? I see a lot of lower ratings on the film here on the site. Don't let those low ballers fool you. This movie is a classic. Is this guy joking? This is a joke, right? Nah, I don't think so. I don't know. This movie is a classic with a ton of legendary Hollywood talent that you should check out if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh... Nah, I think he's just a really sweet guy. Like, I guess this film is kind of inoffensive. So, I bet you if we went on his IMDb, he probably gives everything 10. Yeah, he's probably like a Mormon or something. Which, you know, it, th- there's two kinds of people. Like, all three. There's the people that are super critical. Uh, and they'll like be like, oh, I can't decide if I'm giving it a five or a six. You know, those mm. kind of people. Yeah. There's the ones that only review things when they're like, oh, I'll give it a 10. And then there's the only pe- the people that only review when they give it a one. Yeah. He's probably the, I only he'll, he'll only review it if he's like, you know what? It's getting a 10. Yeah, and he feels mean if he gives a 9. He's just yeah. like, oh, I'll just give you a 10. Okay, so this is a two-star review uh, by Jed S. There were one-star reviews, but they were people that had far too much to say about Wise Guys. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, I'm like, I don't. we don't really need to read a seven-paragraph review on Wise Guys. <laughs> uh, not good. Uh, September 2006. I bought this when the DVD came out, as I tried to do with all of Brian De Palma's movies. I had waited to see this one for a while, and I was sadly displeased when I watched it. I thought it would be a real comedy and be funny, but is just what it is. Nothing happens that can be called funny or moving. I was not emotionally stirred through the whole movie and felt like I had just wasted two hours of my life. This and Sisters are De Palma's worst, I say to everyone, never watch these turkeys. Sisters is awesome. Danny DeVito is usually a solid actor and can make me laugh, but he has nothing to work with in this film. Joe Piscopio acts crappy, as usual, and I still can't stand him. What was De Palma thinking when he made this other than needing a check? He does not even have his signature style in this film. The only thing that lets you know it's him is a shoddy 360 shot that he does in most of his films. Do yourself a favor and avoid this one. Uh, I have to agree. Yeah, I have nothing to disagree with. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Sisters, but that's so funny because he brought up the same thing you did with the 360 shot. Yeah, it's like the only thing in there that resembled De Palma at all. Okay, I think this is a good moment to mention... Joe, who the fuck is Joe Piscopo? I have no idea. I've never heard of him. I thought I I saw the um the the fucking credits before, uh, so I clicked on the movie, yeah, and I thought it said Joe Pesci, and I was about half an hour into the film waiting for <laughs> Joe Pesci to show up because I was like. You know when they they then they're like oh we're gonna go down to they visit someone that Danny DeVito knows yeah and I was like oh they're gonna go down and meet Joe Pesci and that's when Joe Pesci's gonna come in the movie I can't wait to see Joe Pesci and Danny DeVito together the two famous short funny guys 
and then he wasn't in it, so I <laughs> I checked again, and it said Joe Piscopo. And I'm like, who? <laughs> oh, it must be that guy. Fuck he, hell. He's he's like a giant walking dumb smiling Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah, he has nothing to offer. Um, fun fact about this movie: this film is the reason why Goodfellas is called Goodfellas. Oh, because he was going to call it Wise Guys? Well, the book's called Wise Guys. Okay. And it was meant to be called Wise Guys. But, yeah, because this fucking abortion exists, mm-hmm. they had to call it Goodfellas. It's funny because Joe Piscopo kind of looks a bit like... What's his name? Who? The You're terrible with names, aren't you? Oh, yeah, really bad. It's a fucking disability. Right. Uh, the lead in Goodfellas. Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of looks a bit like Ray Liotta. Right. Maybe he. Maybe maybe um. Maybe it was uh. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Who cares? Okay. Um. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is a ten out of ten review for Untouchables by J. C. Anetis. Uh, Brian De Palma's masterpiece, January two thousand five. The Untouchables is, in my opinion, De Palma's greatest work with his other masterpiece, namely Scarface, coming a very close second. In Scarface, the focus is on a paranoid and self-destructive gangster who rises to meteoric heights and then falls. In The Untouchables, the focus is on a very honest man with a noble mission, Elliot Ness, played by Costner, who is prepared to do anything to clean Chicago from the corruption and mayhem caused by the notorious gangster Al Capone. His quest is really tough, as his opponent is determined and powerful, but he has the help of three invaluable partners. Malone, a no-nonsense experienced cop, Uh. Wallace, an accountant who will try to help bring tax charges against Capone, and Stone, a great shooter. As I noted before, the film is brilliantly directed, with some scenes such as the one with the baseball bat, or the one with the baby in the train station, having become classic. The acting is superb, and while Connery was the one who received his well-deserved Oscar, Costner and De Niro made Oscar-class performances too. Although belonging to a typical genre, this film certainly stands out. Don't miss it. 10 out of 10. Alright. I retained none of that. Yeah. uh... That made the movie sound uh, worse than it is, I think, because it made it sound like... um, uh, some sort of like straight to like movie made for TV. It did at least make me realize that a lot of those characters are cripplingly two dimensional. Oh, they all are. Yeah. Even Capone, who was a real guy played by Robert De Niro is just kind of like, listen up. I'm the bad guy. See, it, you can tell he's having a lot of fun with it though. Yeah, I mean, there's that. You can tell that they're all doing a fucking good job. I mean, like, even Sean Connery, who's usually a miserable prick. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we got a one star by Seninaha70. Were we watching the same movie? <laughs> August 2002. I don't understand how on earth this movie gets a 7.8 rating. 
It's terrible. I've always been interested in Capone and the gangsters of the 30s, but this movie has the worst direction I've ever seen. It's pretty. They did a good job with the cars, outfits, locations, etc. But the dialogue is laughable and the way the story was crafted left nothing to suspense. I understand that they had limits because it was an account of a true story, but they still could have told us certain things and saved some things for later. The way the little mousy guy kept referring to his tax problems, we all know that's how they brought him down, but they gave that away in the first 20 minutes, and the music is terrible. I actually perked up when I saw Ennio Morricone's name at the beginning because I loved his work in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but the director never used it to build suspense. They didn't build any dramatic scenes with it, and when they did, he used all the wrong music. I am terribly disappointed with this movie. I want my two hours of life back. I've seen better documentaries on the Discovery Channel, and it's not a documentary. <laughs> and if I really want to learn anything, I'll take one of the tours here in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Uh, I thought the direction was good, actually. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny that they keep mentioning his taxes because it's like everyone knows that's how it's a famous story. Um, I don't know. Didn't take me out of the movie at all, though. Who the fuck is this weirdo? (laughs) I love that. I will be watching... Are we going on a tour? Uh, He, like, really cares about the subject matter and forgets that it's a fucking fictional movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it feels like fiction. That's the thing. But it's like, uh, okay, so Capone's a real guy, and this is, like, a true story, but... It's not. I mean, I don't know anything about that, That, but there's no way this is a fucking, like, dramatic retelling of real events. Like, they didn't actually have the fucking shootout in the trains. Definitely not. <laughs> cool. So, do you have uh, some closing thoughts on these three films and your fart rating? Yeah, yeah. I'd say uh, Body Double is definitely um, worth worth watching. I think it's really worth your time uh because you get to watch a very talented filmmaker have fun and experiment and i think he pulls it off for the most part Uh, i give it eight out of ten um the other shit the fucking stupid what's it called untouchables um i i've i found really boring it's really well made it's you know it's it's put together really well uh the cast is good and entertaining to watch and the costumes and shit are cool but the movie sucks like i'm sorry but this is shit I was, I was so bored by the by the plot so the only thing i had fun with was um the cast and the the costumes and the location but the rest of it it's an absolute like over masculine wank fest it's kind of embarrassing but for the direction alone, I think it's above average, so I give it a six. And Wise Guys is um, honestly one of the, the the shittest movies I've ever seen. It's so <laughs> boring. It is so boring, and, and, and no one cares about what's happening. And there's one funny joke in it, and it's only an hour and a half long. So, you know, I give it a, I give it a, I give it a two. 
Okay. Cool. Um, so for me, Body Double, I cannot recommend this movie to people. For the life of me, I can't recommend it unless you're into weird stuff or you're self-aware enough to realize that it's just having a bit of fun. But if you take film really seriously, you're going to hate it. This movie's going to break your brain and you're not going to have a good time at all. So, yeah, I don't know. what like What's a movie that someone would... If they like that, they'll like this. What can you think of, Dane? Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, okay. Yeah, but not De Palma. Oh, God. not De Palma. Um, I don't know. I think like this movie has a broader appeal than you think. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say if you like... If you like... If, if you actually sincerely like Tarantino films... Actually, that's it. If you like Death Proof... You'll yeah. like you'll yeah. like Body Double. If yeah. you're the person that doesn't like Death Proof, don't watch this film. Mm. I love a lot of this film, but I can't ignore how stupid and shit it is at times. <laughs> so objectively, I have to give it, even though I love it and there are aspects of it that blow my mind, I can't for the life of me give it any more than a 6 out of 10 farts. Mm-hmm. Even though I really like this film, it's a it's weird. There's like my soul and then my brain and the best I can come up with is six out of 10 farts. Um, Untouchables is incredibly well directed, shot well, cast well. I like the music. It's a bit dumb and I think you're right that it's a bit super masculine and uh, almost borderline propaganda. However, I do think there are there is a place for those sort of films and this is a better one of those um compared to a lot of them um Mm. yeah i i watch untouchables every now and then just as a i don't know just as a i find it easy to watch um i like how he shoots things and stuff so yeah seven out of ten farts (laughs) for me wait how much seven out of ten Oh, fuck. I thought you said 10 out of 10. No, fuck no. <laughs> God, no. No, 7 out of 10 farts I like me. how he shoots stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I do. And even even some of his most absolutely bonkers movies that don't work, hmm. um, I get a kick out of watching them. Oh, I thought you meant you like how Kevin Costner shoots the gun. Oh, no, what? I was talking about De Palma yeah. shooting yeah, no, a no, film. I get, I get you now. I get you. Right, now. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so 7 out of 10 farts. Um, Wise Guys is fucking bullshit. I hate it. It's not a De Palma movie. It's not funny. All the jokes feel like jokes in other movies, but just not as good. Hmm. Everything about it. I-, I was actually thinking, I think I found out another joke in the movie. I like I like how Lou Albano, the, the, the fixer, just changes lanes like just out of nowhere i found that really funny because they don't actually explain it well lost you what's oh did you yeah uh what was the last thing you heard me say i'm gonna have to edit the fucking shit out of this aren't i yeah this um you said you like how lou alano the fixer oh unlike the one of the jokes actually like now that i think about it is when the fat guy lou albano changes lanes really dramatically Mm-hmm. And they never explain it, but like because you know gangster movies, you know he's doing it to lose a tail. Yeah. I think it's kind of fun that they don't explain it, you know. 
Um, but still, yeah, that's not enough for me to give it anything more than a two out of ten farts. Fuck that film. Fucking sucks. All right. Cool. So, what are we watching next week, Dane? Uh, we're going to watch the best and the worst of the Free Willy franchise. What drugs are you smoking? <laughs> no, it's because um, uh, I, I saw um, a, a picture of um, a killer whale just before I called you. And I thought of Free Willy. And I was like, I'm going to recommend that. How many Free Willies are there? There's four. There's four of them. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll be very surprised if the best one isn't one and the worst one isn't four. Yeah. You haven't heard of the fourth one? No. It stars Bindi Irwin. Really? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, yay. That'll be a fun time watching the best and worst of Free Willy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>